This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. From Jordan-Hare Stadium to Auburn Arena. From the Plains to the recruiting trail and all points in between. If it's Auburn, we've got it covered. Did I say War Eagle or War Eagle? That's it? War Eagle. This is the Auburn Undercover Podcast with Brandon Marcello. Hey everybody, I'm Brandon Marcello. Welcome to the Roundtable. I'm joined today by Philip Marshall, Jason Caldwell, Ron Sanders, and Keith Niebuhr. Uh, full table uh, this week, and uh, we need one because... Um, Everybody's talking about Gus Malzahn, um, whether uh, a black hole is going to swallow the, the uh, solar system, and, of course, the uh, imposing climate change uh, and impeachment hearings. Oh, no, we're just going to talk about Auburn football and Gus Malzahn, uh, which is really important. Um, guys, um, it's November, late November, so that must mean a, an Auburn coach is going to get fired or leave or, or take a job at Alaska Anchorage. What do we make of all this uh, crazy talk or semi-serious talk about Gus Malzahn and his future? I, you know, I, I don't know that, uh, I, like you said, it's an annual thing. I, I don't, I don't know. It, it, I don't know. Uh, I don't think there's any question that, that there are things going on, uh, but exactly what and exactly how far and exactly who will make what call and when I, I don't know. I wish I did. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a different time and you look at it and, and, you know, I had somebody ask me, said, why again? I was like, I, th- I just think it's the, the disappointment of what could have been. I think when people look yeah. at this season and go, what could have been for this team. Um, if you're talking about one, one more offensive touchdown um, in a game, um, then you're, you're talking about a team that could potentially be sitting here with one loss and be, be playing, you know, for its playoff life and an SEC championship, all of those kind of things. So to me, it's that, that what could have been, and it's kind of that, you know, a similar story that we've had the last couple of seasons sometimes too. And for Gus, for Gus, it's the worst possible scenario because the contract he's 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 supposed to be the the offensive guy. Uh, lots of people, including me, wondered in early in his time here what it would be like if he could ever get a really good defense. And uh, now he's got one, and uh, the offense has not been up up to par. And you add that to the contract, which is an albatross around his neck. And and as far as Coaching at Auburn is an albatross around his neck. I, I would be glad to handle that albatross, but uh, uh, and I just think that there's just a lot of discontent, and there's discontent among the masses and discontent in high places. Well, and something about this just feels 
you know, it kind of feels like it's run its course for, for, for some reason. I mean, it's just, he's been there seven years and, you know, just, this feels different for some reason. So my question is this, it, it almost seems like the writing is on the wall, whether it's this year, next year, or the year after that he's nearing the end of his tenure at Auburn. Right. I mean, I, I would think that we would probably all agree with that. I, I mean, yes. I mean, Coaches don't last 10 years at places unless you're winning a national title. Um, Not to say that can't happen, but that hasn't happened in the first seven years, uh, though Auburn's come close. Um, And from the conversations I've had in the past and most more recently, you know, everybody brings up this Arkansas job, but Arkansas doesn't seem to be showing very much interest in him at this point based off the conversations I've had with people. I know others are reporting differently, so I can only say what I've heard. And then also, would Gus want to leave Auburn for that? I mean, based off what I understand, he does not want to leave Auburn no matter what. And I think this is going to come down to a situation where it's going to He's just going to stand there and he's going to tell Jimmy Sexton, his agent and his people, Hey, um, you want me out, pay me my money. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to go voluntarily go take a job somewhere or pursue a job at a lesser school like Arkansas. So maybe I can extend my coaching career five years. Whereas you can just pay me now because I don't want to go anywhere else, but Auburn, because at the end of the day, all Gus wants to do is win a championship. He's already got the money. Why go to Arkansas and just, you know, be in mediocrity the rest of his life. Everybody, everybody makes up this whole thing of, well, he'd be celebrated for winning seven games a year, eight games a year. That's not true. The moment he starts winning seven, eight games a year there, they want nine or 10. Look at Bobby Petrino. And then if you don't get that, and or excuse me, Houston Nutt, I should say, you know, he beats number one LSU and he gets kicked out the door a week later. Um it's every job is like that. They get every job in college football gets like that. Everybody hates you or gets sick of you at some point. It's just the way it works. And it seems like we're nearing that point. If we're not already there with Gus Malzahn. So for, for me, I just, I don't, I don't know what Auburn does. There's a lot of talk from, as you said, Phil, from, from powerful people, from just the general fan base. But does it make financial sense at this moment to get rid of Gus Malzahn when you already made an emotional decision, even though it was Stephen Leith and maybe one booster at the time, you made an emotional decision at that time after you beat Alabama and Georgia to give him a seven-year deal worth $7 million a year with 75% of it guaranteed. And then you mean to tell me two years later you're going to make another emotional decision and fire him and give him exactly what he wants, which is that money. Um, it doesn't make much sense to me, at, at least from a CEO perspective, but it's college football and everything arrives on emotion. Here's the question. And it's, and it's not, uh, I don't know the answer to this question, but if things start going badly uh, and and ticket sales are affected, and recruiting sales are affected. Uh, recruiting is affected, which affects which affects where you'll be years down the road. It's not going to take you long to lose more than that twenty-seven million dollars. Uh, to me, that's the question you have to ask yourself, and I don't know the answer. Uh, where are you headed? If uh, 
if you don't think he's, if you're the decision maker and you don't think Gus is the right guy for the job, uh, I don't think it makes any sense to keep him around just to let the buyout go down. Uh, who's, who's the decision maker though? That's the, that's the million dollar question or the $27 million question. <laughs> and I don't, and I don't know the answer and that's a problem. And it's been a pro- problem for Auburn ever since, uh, uh, Bobby Louder went off the board of trustees. It's been a problem. Yeah. Um, you know, speaking of that, about this whole, I wouldn't call it a power struggle. I just think it's like a bunch of powerful people that right. want things and then maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't. And it's not just about firing a coach or leave, having a coach stay there or contract extensions and stuff like that. It's all kinds of stuff involved with athletics and everything. And, um, it's become quite apparent here the last two years that Alan Green isn't necessarily the be-all, end-all uh, as the athletics director, whereas a lot of schools, that's the case nowadays. Uh, they try to let that guy be the CEO and handle things as such, and uh, Alan Green's not the guy that's front and center speaking on all this stuff. I mean, you guys remember a year ago, we were chasing uh, President Leith and, and Alan Green around trying to ask about Gus Malzahn. Right. And it was it was the strangest thing. It was almost as if they didn't know what to say. Um, and I think if you did the same thing today, they wouldn't know what to say because, as as we just mentioned, it doesn't seem like anyone knows who's making the real decisions. I think that uh, you know I, I I do I think at most places the AD is certainly more the face of a of a situation like this. But I don't believe there's anywhere at this level where the AD makes those decisions and, and, uh, unilaterally, uh, people that give millions and millions of dollars to athletic departments, uh, they buy influence too. And, uh, and, and they have, it so there's somebody everywhere. And, uh, but, uh, but in this case, it just, it's, it's very strange. Like you said, it's very strange. It's, uh, uh, it was strange last year. Uh, Alan's, thing is to stay in the background and i think that's okay in a lot of ways and and uh to let others get credit then that's that and that's wonderful but there comes a time when you need to be if you're the ad you need to be the guy that's out front and you need to be the guy that's saying hey either either uh, whatever it is if it's if it's we believe in gus malzahn and he's our coach then say that and if it's uh if it, when the time comes, if it's, uh, we, we think it's time to move on and here's why then say that. But right now there's nobody doing that. And, uh, nobody seems inclined to do anything like that. It's just kind of just rocks along and, and people talk and people, and I'm not, you know, people who people of influence talk and uh, it's, it's a very strange situation and it's, and to me, it's made worse by, by the lack of visible leadership, uh, in, in the athletic department or in the university administration, as the case may be. So let's do let's do this for people because we rarely even talk about this. But since a lot of this talk and a lot of the chatter is coming from powerful people, and as we said, you know, every athletics department is you know has a lot. There's a lot of influence brought in by people who give millions of dollars. So. You know, Philip, guys, let's talk about that. Who who are the people who have that influence uh, with Auburn? I think a lot of us know, you know, several of the names, but let's just go down down the list and name and name those people that uh, you know have a lot of say in what thing and things that go on at, at Auburn. 
you know, I, I, I don't know the names of all of them. Uh, I know obviously the ones on the board of trustees would be, would be Jimmy rain would be, uh, Raymond Harbert. Raymond Harbert had a tremendous amount of influence. Uh, I don't know if he's, uh, I think he was wounded by the, uh, by the whole contract thing. And, uh, but he, he's got a tremendous amount of money as, as does Jimmy rain. And they've, and they've been generous with that money. And, and there are others on the board of trustees too. Uh, but who, who is the, the person beyond those people? I really don't know, uh, who would be the one that would have the, the most influence. I, I really yeah. don't. And are any of them on the same page, so to speak? My impression is that, that they're on the same page as far as what they want, but not necessarily on the same page of how to get there. Right. Right. Um, so that's, what's so interesting about all this, of course, to, to the fans. Um, because it's, it's almost like I call them ghost stories with like Jimmy Sexton. He's like turned into this like legend in this, <laughs> this myth because of all these tremendous contracts he gets people. And I blame it on uh, university administrators and absolutely and absolutely. presidents for allowing this to happen. He's taken advantage of some weak, weak people when it comes to negotiating because they're not accustomed to it. And over the years, he's built such a big, large portfolio. People are like almost afraid of him. And we've gotten to a point now where we get into this quote unquote silly season and names start coming up and people automatically assume Jimmy Sexton is just working his magic and everything. I think some of it's just uh, ghost stories that are inflamed by the idea of what's happened in the past. I don't necessarily know or believe that Jimmy Sexton's floating Gus's name out to Arkansas or floating this name here or there. He does that, sure. But I think every fan base nowadays goes, Jimmy. that's Jimmy Sexton working his magic again. I, I don't necessarily think that's the case. I just think he's built such a myth that we almost tell ghost stories about the guy now. Um, because of what's happened over the last 15 years in college football, college sports for that matter, and how he's been able to, I mean, give the man credit. He's smart as hell. Oh, oh. <laughs> for hey, uh, he gets... He's basically been able to, to do his job without even having to do his job yeah. at times. You're he, right. He gets, I, I, I he completely gets paid, agree. He gets paid when people get fired and then paid when they get hired. He's and, they're his, smart. and they're the he's same client sometimes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, Brad, I think you're right. I think it's become a thing where that agenda gets pushed and it creates a frenzy and he doesn't even have to do it anymore. It just does it on its own. Yeah, I agree. Hey, I, I, I give him all the credit in the world and I'm right with you, Brandon. I, I, it's completely the fault of, uh, if Auburn didn't want to give Gus Malzahn that contract, they should have just said no. Cause the fact of the matter is he was, Right. He was not going to Arkansas. Hell no, no. And, uh, uh, and, but they just caved right in. And, uh, uh, so, and, and I don't, you know, I don't know how anybody, anybody anywhere could blame Gus for taking it. I mean, why would, how, right. how in the world would you ever turn that down? I'm waiting on mine right now. Wherever <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. Ronnie, would you talk to people in Nashville and tell them that we need some buyouts and that out there? Well, you know, you look at some of these buyouts and you think, okay, well, this one seems reasonable. This is a guy that this school really does not want to lose. He's built something special. He he uh, he uh, embodies the spirit of the school. You know, there are a few guys like that. A few, a few. 
But then the rest of them, you're thinking, all right, 15, 10, 15, 20 million. Where's this guy going to go? Well, I, I thought that a buyout was should be necessitated or precipitated by demand. And some of these guys have these incredible buyouts. And you're right, credit to these agents and super agents. But if there's no demand to take a guy away, how in the world are these schools getting talked into this? And I think if they understood, I think they're almost thinking about this too much. There's no magic elixir that allows you to pick the guy that's going to lead your program. There's a lot of luck involved. Sometimes what we think is the perfect fit ends up being a disaster. And sometimes the six pick, like a Pete Carroll, ends up being perfect. And so there's so much chance involved that to me that illustrates even further that that the, the, the how ridiculous some of these things are. Oh, there's no question. I, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, even, uh, Chad Morris, uh, had about a $10 million buyout, Ronnie, isn't that right? At Arkansas. Yeah, it was 10 million. So but, yeah, I was talking but, to, but, to, to a former SEC head coach the other day. And he just said that, he said, why are they giving all these buyouts? He said, he said 90% of the coaches that we know would, would take the job without the buyout. And he said, where are they going to go? If you're at Auburn, where are you going to, where, where are you going to go? So, I, you know, I, it just doesn't make any sense. That's I mean, my thing. It makes no sense. It makes that's, no sense. That's my thing. If you're a top 15 program like Auburn, why, why do you even need to have a buyout? I mean, I mean, I'm being serious. Like where, where are you going to go? You're going to go to the NFL? Fine. Have at it. Go, go for it. But where else are you going to go that you're going to contend for a championship and have an opportunity to do so uh, other than it being a lateral move? And if that's the case, go make a lateral move. Yeah, I mean, as, here's, what, here's what people have told me. said, look, pay the guy whatever you want to pay him. Pay him $10 million a year if you want to pay him that. But don't make it where you can't fire him. I mean, that's the whole key of the whole thing. And... uh but they've all gotten sucked into it, and now it's going to take something really. It's going to take somebody really strong at at some big time program to even move the ball at all back in the other direction. It, whether it's Ohio State or Florida or Auburn or Alabama or whoever, some president's going to have to say, "Nope, no more. We're not going to do that anymore, and uh, we'll give you something reasonable." But we're not going to do that anymore. If, if, if that means you don't want the job, then fine. We'll, we'll move on. There's a lot of people that will. Can't, all right. Now back to Gus Malzahn. Can't, can Gus win the majority of the fans back over? I, I'm not, I, I don't, I'm not, I, I'm kind of confused as to whether he's lost the majority of the fans or if there's just a very vocal minority that, that want him gone or just disapprove of what he's done doing, not necessarily want him gone either, but just disapprove of what's happening with the program. But can't, how, I mean, obviously you, have, you win a national title, you win some people back, but how does at this point, at this point in the season, does a victory against Alabama without Tua at the quarterback position, something that would win some people over and, and give them some, you know, leverage going to 2020 or, how do you guys think fans would would look at that? Well, and and for think, that and for that matter, what would how would they look at a loss at Alabama without Tua? Oh, I, I think well, what, first I think it's completely unfair to say with without Tua, unless we're going to go back over the whole course of the whole season and put an asterisk by everybody that played anybody that didn't have their quarterback. I, I just I mean, Alabama still got a bunch of great players, and uh, but it's all about perception. Uh, uh, and we yeah, I know, I know. 
But to answer your question, my opinion, you know, it's it's impossible to know because you can't talk to everybody. But my impression is that he's in a lot worse place now than he was even two years. Well, certainly two years ago when he had just beaten Georgia and Alabama. And then it's been going downhill ever since basically the, I think he was, people accepted the uh, championship game because of carry on situation, but it's been going downhill since the Citrus Bowl. And I'm not sure he can get it back. I, I, I don't, my impression is, and that's all it can be. Is that is that he has, does not have a lot of support, and the people are, and I think this happens. I mean, Tommy Tuberville told me standing on the practice field before his last season, he said it's been too long. He said you stay around this long, it's time to go, and he was gone by the end of that season. And I think people just get t- unless it's Nick Saban out there winning national championships every couple of years, people just get tired of whoever the coach is. They know him too well. They know him too well, and and they don't like him anymore. And uh, they they want to get somebody else that makes them feel excited. And, and even even in that scenario, people question whether you played your quarterback too long, and yep. uh, are you yep. done, and all those things. It yep. even happens. It happens everywhere. But to me, I look at it the only way the only way that you you at least hold steady right now would be to to finish strong and to score a bunch of points offensively against Alabama and win a game and then play that, a that quali- the, right. and then play a quality team in a bowl game, not Purdue, uh, a quality team of Michigan or somebody like that and go out and score points in that game too and show that, okay, it took me a while, but maybe I did hey, learn hey, that. Hey, yeah. But I think that's the only way you even hold steady at this point in my opinion. I, I agree too. I think that if you beat Alabama 17 to 13, I don't think that does. I mean, people would be happy because you beat Alabama, but I don't think that does a lot for Gus. On the other hand, if you as even though if they win thirty-five to twenty-one, and I think people be then then at least some people would say, "Hey, well, like you said, Jason, maybe it's finally clicked." Uh, but I, I, I but there are also people who are not going to change. They're not going to change whatever happens, and that's partly on Gus because. It's a lot, you know, I, I compare it to the whole Jetgate saga in 2003, when at that point, Tommy Tuberville really hadn't accomplished much at Auburn. And, but people thought he was getting mistreated and they liked him. And when they thought he was getting mistreated, they raised holy hell and basically saved his job. I mean, and that's because he went out of his way to make people like him. That's just not Gus. So, and, and then the, that's, if they, if he was like Tuberville and was just viewed as w- one of us, so to speak, and uh, uh, then I think they would be a lot more like a lot more people would be likely to say, "Well, yeah, wait a minute, now look at what he's done." But I just don't see much of that happening. So, what do you guys think happened happens here in the next month? <laughs> I've I been mean, refusing to, refusing to answer that question on I the know. message board. <laughs> I'm not going there. If anybody else wants to, that's great. I don't. Come know. on, Philip. Philip, we're all looking for, for this answer here. Come on. Well, I'll, I don't I'll, I'll know. Say, I'll, I'll, I do not I'll, know. I'll just get. I, I know far less than you guys. Okay, I'm, my connections are all from a different angle. Okay, which is to say, 
way below your connections. Uh, I don't know. I, I'll just take a stab in the dark and say if they, um, I think he might be back. I think he might be back next year. And, uh, and again, I think we're going to see more changes and, uh, and uh, more staff changes. And I don't know, I, I don't know what that entails, but uh, I don't know. I just, I, I don't know. I go back and forth on this. For me, it's simply just a guess. It's a I guess. Will, um, I will say this. Know. No Auburn coach ever has beaten Alabama and then left in that same, at the end of that same season. It's never happened. Terry no, Bowden beat him his, the last time he played him, which was 1997. But then he was gone. But, but he came um, back for 1998 and was gone. Went through that season, but yeah. it's never happened. It's never well, happened. And, and and if they do win the last two games, you would have a coach that went nine and three against arguably the nation's toughest schedule. Um, oh yeah. And that I mean that would be that'd be a tough pull right there. Well, uh, it'd be, I, it'd I be very tough. To, but that'd be a tough one to pull right there. It'd, it'd be a very tough pull, and, and really probably an impossible pull, and. Uh, the, the the argument to that would be, and I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about what some of these people say, is that well, it's not just about this season, and uh, it's about the direction of the program. And to be honest with you, if that's if you're the decision maker or makers, that's what your focus should be on. However, you know what if you go ten and three and you only lose to, to top five teams or top 10 teams. And they're all like excruciating close and two of them are on the road. I, I, you know, that it's become the, the, the latest mantra has become his record against rivals, quote unquote. And, uh, those rivals that they have chosen to include aren't losing to much anybody right now. And, uh, uh, so, uh, look, there are people he can't win over. I'm sure there are those he can. But what does it matter? And who? And the question, as you raised, Brandon, who is that? I mean, I know people that matter who, you know, are trustees or this or that or the other. But where does the buck stop? And as I wrote yesterday, right now, apparently nowhere. Yeah, and Phil, the thing about the, the, the rivals that you speak of, though, do you want to be a part of that group or are you happy being the next group? Exactly. That's a fair question. But here's the other thing, Jason. If you want to be a part of that group, then you can't be a part of that group just by hiring, by hiring or firing a coach. Oh, absolutely. You better, you better make the same commitment they've made. And right now that hadn't happened either. Nope. So are we talking? Well, somebody more, somebody I mean, said something to me that. Go ahead, Ryan. Uh, somebody said something to me the other day and they were talking about, Auburn in general and said that, you know, Auburn has a lot of issues. A lot of people aren't on the same page. Nobody knows who's making the decisions. Um, you know, all those things. Nobody, we're not pulling all in the same direction. Um, so as it was put to me, Gus Malzahn is not the whole problem, but it sure as hell is not the answer. And maybe that's a pretty good way to put it. I mean, he, he, he has not shown an ability to pull the fan base together and keep it there. And, you know, I, I'm just not sure he can get it back. And and here's the other thing. He also has not shown the ability to – somebody has got to be, be an inspiring presence who unites the fan base, one, and two, can go to the AD or the president or whoever and say, look, if you want to win like you want to win, 
here's what you got to do and be listened to. And I, I just don't think that's Gus. It's well known that he, he had that opportunity. Right, right. He had he that opportunity after 2013 and passed yep. it up. Yep, passed it up. Willingly passed it up. Willingly passed it up. And uh, and uh, that's I will never figure out why. But uh, but that's what you got to have because it, you can't, as I say often. In this time, you can't you can't win more by spending less. It's not going to happen. And uh, if you're going to say, "Well, we can't go into debt. We can't we can't float a bond issue. We can't do this. We can't do that. We're cutting expenses." That's uh, that's not going to get you to where they are. It'll keep you where you are, which is occasionally when 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 in eight 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 games or so most years, and. Some years ticking up and winning more, and every now and then being being there at the end and contending for a championship. But if if you want to be where they are, where you're in the conversation at the end every year, then you better pay attention to what they're doing to do that. Is it fair to say that maybe Auburn's in a similar situation that Georgia was in four or five years ago? I think it's similar. Uh, uh, I don't know that it's identical, but I mean, because actually Mark Rick did had more sustained success than Gus has had. I mean, he won 10 games just about every year. Uh, but, uh, but people were tired of him because he won an S he won an SEC championship in his second year. And then he won another SEC championship three years later and then never won another one. And, uh, I think got, I think the similarity is is that from a facility standpoint. Yeah, when, that's when what I'm Curtis getting Hart at. There, that's oh, it. Yeah, they, yeah I agree. Like, you yes. got to you got to upgrade everything involved in the program to take the next step. And yeah, I, I think I think in that part, I, yeah, I think the off the field, I think it's pretty similar. Other than Georgia being the state school, I think it's a pretty similar situation. I agree. I agree. It's definitely similar in that respect. And I think that's it's it's been somewhat similar at Florida as well. Uh, I mean, Florida's yeah. never been really focused on that a lot because I think for a long time they thought, hey, we're sitting right here in Florida. This is the best place to be. You got more it players matters. than anybody. It doesn't matter. <clears throat> but it, but these days it matters. And uh, and you might not like it and you might be turned off by it. But, hey, make, you better make a decision. Do you want to be that or do you not? And if you don't, then just bump on along and, We'll keep having this conversation every December, regardless of who the coach is. But there's there's no magic well, coach out there. There's no magic coach that's going to walk in here and just because he's such a great coach, start start winning eleven games a year. I mean, that's that's just not realistic. Until Auburn c- c- completely commits and upgrades facilities and does all those things, it's always going to be a cyclical program. You're going to have eight and four, seven and five, eight and four, eight and four, and you'll jump up and have a great year. But that's kind of the way it's going to be. You're not going to have back-to-back 10-win seasons. You're, you're, it's just not going to happen. That's the way it's always been. Yep. Really. I mean, except for except for the 1980s. Uh, for what? Well, really, from 1983 to through 1989. Uh, that's the way it's always. When everybody been. was on the same page. Everybody was on the same page. If Di wanted something badly, he was going to get it. Uh, and uh, and people believe even when things went back went badly, 
because now it would have been interesting to see if there had been Twitter in those days when when they, they were ranked number yeah. one twice. In 1985? 84 and 85. 84 and 85, yep. They were, 84, they were number one in the preseason poll and lost their first two games. Yep. 85, they were number one a week into the season and ended up losing four games. Mm-hmm. So if there had been Twitter then, that had been, been a lot – it would have been different, but uh, but especially the people that mattered, uh, the donor kind of people, they they never stopped believing in him, and uh, even when things went bad. But that's the problem. Again, he made that happen with his own personality, and uh, and they believed in him. That's just not something, Gus. I don't know if he can't, uh, but that's just not something he's ever been able to do. Is interesting thing any... about social media, well, if I can say some one thing, the interesting thing about social media is that the political studies show uh, and the uh, New York Times and the Washington Post studies have shown uh, regarding politics now that social media is a very vocal minority, something you pointed you, you pointed to a little bit earlier, Brandon. And you wonder if that's the same in sports. And, and that's what we don't know yet. Uh, I it think a, it, it, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a loud, it's a loud group of people on the social media, but is it a small loud group? And, and again, in politics, they well, found that it really is a small group and that politicians have made mistakes by, by er, erring on the side of shifting toward what, what's on being said on Twitter. So, you know, you just wonder, wonder what the impact is social media on sports. Something that got my attention two or three days ago, I got a call from a, Auburn player from long ago, and I'm not going to say who it is because that, that wouldn't be right, but it's a long time ago player. Otherwise, he's even older than me, and not many people are older than me. So, uh, But, but uh, anyway, this is a guy who's never said anything bad about anybody. He just loves Auburn, and, and he called me and he said, Philip, are you hearing anything? And I said, no, and he said, you know, I really love old Gus, but it's time to go. It's time to move on. He has no support. And this is not in any shape, form, or fashion a wild-eyed uh, guy that wants to fire everybody. In fact, that's the, first, that's the first time I've ever heard him mention anything like that. The feeling among Auburn people that I talk to is that, is that his support is at critical levels and dwindling fast. And again, like I said, you can't, I don't know how you really quantify that, uh, but that's the feeling, and that's that's the that's just the the feeling. I and the people I talk to, they all have the same feeling that he's that it, that it's in a situation that probably probably is not going to be able to be uh, to to be solved. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Here's my here's my guess. I my guess is is he's back next year regardless, um, as a head coach, Gus. And then 
2020 might be a swan song just because and then this is all see it's all hypothetical that's the other thing that's going into this whole issue is people are like projecting what next year is going to be like they lose their offensive line they lose a lot of their pieces on defense so everybody automatically assumes they're going to be a little bit worse next season even though the schedule is a little bit more favorable but and then people also take into account like i've been talking to people who you know, you wait a little bit, you save a little money, then you actually have a big reason to fire Gus Malzahn, and then you bring someone in and say, all right, you're going to open up a brand new football performance center here your first year. You're going to be able to sell this, sell that, and put your whole program together. Because as of right now, with all this talk behind the scenes and no one seemingly on the same page, my question is, is like, how does everybody get on the same page here within the next three weeks and make a decision? And who makes that decision? It, it, I would it, say the, the most likely way for everybody to get on the same page and make a decision. And I hate it because I don't think it's right, but I, I, I've got a feeling that what happens in the iron bowl is going to have a lot to do with what happens after that. Uh, but, but should one game decide no, everything? No, absolutely not. Yeah. It, it, it 100% should not, but that doesn't mean it won't. Uh, I mean, I think what you got is people who are looking for a reason. And if he loses again, he goes eight and four again, despite the, the teams he's lost to, they're going to be, I'm, you know, I'm guessing here, they're going to be invigorated, but I, I, you know, I, I'm not ready to, I'm just, I just don't know. I, I still don't know. And, uh, <laughs> we'll see. I, I just, I, I, I just think it's a very fluid situation. I know outside perception really doesn't matter till in the long run, especially to Auburn people, but how would it look if Auburn were to fire Gus Malzahn, pay him $27 million after going, you know, eight and four, you know? I think that uh, it would be less eye-opening now than it would have been a few years ago. Uh, I think that people, some at least, would recognize that, you know, it's not – it's, it's not like they're writing a check for $27 million. And that, like I said, there comes a point where you have to decide which one's the most expensive long-term is the more expensive to make a change or to not make a change. And right now I don't know the answer to that question, uh, because there's a lot of unhappiness out there. And I look, I'm not, I, I've never called for anybody to be fired. And I'm certainly not going to call for Gus Malzahn to be fired. And, uh, it's a very weird situation, but, uh, but a lot of the things that bother that, that he does that are different, his, his mic, his control of everything on offense, the way he, he essentially coaches every position, decides who they recruit, all those things. Well, coaches have come and gone and now that's widespread knowledge. Exactly. And people say, people are saying, what in the world? And, uh, and that's a problem. I mean, I don't, you know, I pay no attention to people about play calling. Uh, like I, I know that whatever play he's calling is what he thinks work. And I don't know any better. I'm not, I'm not qualified to say that's wrong. I think the ones that work are really good. And the ones that don't are pretty bad, but, <laughs> uh, but, but, uh, but so that's, but, but all those kinds of things get out there and it all just contributes to this general narrative and this general feeling that, that, uh, that things just aren't quite like what they should be. And I, 
I, I think that feeling is there, and I think it's widespread. You know what we need? We need Gus or Alan Green or someone to like literally like go old school and have a fireside chat and release it. Of yeah, here's here's what's going on. Here's what the future holds. Everything's no question. Okay. No question. And, or, or, yeah. or this, so, you know, have some guts. Say, okay, here's what we're going to do, guys. We're going to sit down, and it is no holds barred. You ask us anything you want to. Anything. If you want to ask about how I coach, why I do what I do on offense, whatever, ask. Ask away. But <laughs> that ain't happening. Mm. But you're right. You're right. There needs to be that somebody needs to somebody needs to to offer up a plan. This is where we want to go. This is how we're going to get there. Not just that we want to win. We want to win. And we're and and we're we're making we're not making the change because we think guys. How are you going to get there? In every way, you want to be like Alabama and Georgia and LSU. That's what you want, and that's just because. Those are the ones that are at the top of the league right now. That's what you want. So how do you get there? What have they done to get there? And and you can't be them, but you can be, you could, there, there's a pretty clear roadmap to what you have to do to give yourself a chance to do that. And uh, I don't know that, I, I don't know. And I just think there, you know, even the Vanderbilt AD, when he announced he was keeping, uh, keeping, uh, Derek Mason. Derek Mason. Mason talked about they're, they're, they're working on a strategic plan that they'll release about how they're going to make Vanderbilt football better. Unless he and, uh, changes his offense. That ain't <laughs> or, or, and, you know, it doesn't help that, you know, whenever they play a good team, they's like, it's like a road game for them. Uh, but, uh, uh, but at least he's talking about, putting something out there that people can see. Here's what we're going to try to do, and here's the way we're going to try to do it. And nobody at Auburn has any interest in doing that that I can see. And I think it would be very helpful if they would. Ronnie, who's going to get the Florida State job? You know, it sounds like Odell Haggins has a real good shot, and Mike Norvell is also in it. Um, I think they've talked to Dave Clawson. I think they've talked to – a number of people, but uh, the two names I heard today were were Odell Haggins and and uh, Mike Norvell. So, so no Stoops, Lombardi, Bill Walsh. None of those guys. <laughs> so that's the thing. It kills me. I look at the Arkansas website and I see all Matt Rule and Mike Campbell and all these guys, and I'm thinking, if I'm one of those guys, why would I do that? I mean. What in the world would possess me to do that? And I, and I, I can't. Everybody thinks that they're the place that all these coaches want to go. And you know what? Look at the top four teams in the, in the BCS in the F, in the college football playoff right now. LSU hired an interim. Ohio State hired hired an assistant off their staff. Clemson hired an interim, and Georgia hired an assistant. All these well, whole- and Bob Stewart. Well, I'm sorry, Philip. Go ahead. Well, right. and Bob and Bob Stoops was an assistant before he was yeah, Bob Stoops. Yeah, Oklahoma, you know? absolutely. And, absolutely. And so was Mark Richt. And you know, you if you're Arkansas, you're not going to get somebody. And you're right, you guys are right. You're not going to get somebody that's already established at another Power Five conference to leave and go to Arkansas. But you might be able to get a shooting star. 
you might be able to get somebody on their way up. But unfortunately for Arkansas, that's where they're at right now. Those yeah. guys, those guys are, there's a lot of them, but it's hard to disseminate who is who, obviously. Well, well, but, well, but they're out there. They're out there. Maybe Brett well, Deerman's the next yeah, rising well, star. They got to find it. When the Memphis coach tells you that, nah, I don't think so. Then uh, that's that's an issue. <laughs> if well, yeah. if I mean, and so you got to do the best you can. And uh, uh, but the truth is, there are not very many. Everybody wants this home run hire. How many how many home run hires do you ever see? Not very many. Yeah, the not only one I can think of is Urban Meyer at Ohio State, and well, yeah, Jimbo, Fisher, that Jim, Jimbo Fisher at the time, but you know. What Nick Saban wasn't Alabama's first choice, correct? No, no. Yeah, they Rich wanted Rich Rodriguez. He took the job, yeah, and then backed out. And uh, uh, no, it wasn't. Pat Dye wasn't Auburn's first choice. It's uh, yeah, it's it's. You, what you better have is somebody or somebody's who are perceptive enough and knowledgeable enough to be able to evaluate. Okay, I've heard what this guy has to say. I've seen what he's done. He's what we need. He gives us the best chance. But there are no sure things. I don't care if you do hire a, a guy that's a head coach at a power five school. There's well, still no well, sure things. And I don't want to knock Odell Haggins. I don't know the guy. I've met him one time. But if you're FSU, I mean, that, I mean, that, I just that that's that's a surprising situation that it, that if it gets to that. And and he's been there for a long time, and he's through and through Seminole. You guys know he doesn't he doesn't even drink Gatorade. Because it's called Gatorade. So he's a Seminole. I get that. But he's also been on the staff during a couple downturns in the last 10, 15 yeah, years at that. FSU. And you could argue that FSU, hey, look, guys, when they were winning in the 1990s, I know everybody points to Warwick Dunn and Charlie Ward and Tamrick Vandover and all those great offensive players. But I got to tell you, they were winning games because they had the best defensive line in college yeah. football for about 10 straight years. And they don't have that anymore. And he's the position coach. So that's interesting. Now, that doesn't mean he can't be a great head coach. And if he gets the job, I wish him well because you do appreciate the fact that a guy loves his school that much. But it just seems like, boy, FSU, this was a this was a, 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 I mean, a, a mountaintop program not that long ago and a program that seemingly could get have its pick of the next rising stars. And it just doesn't appear to be as such anymore. You know, I look at programs that, you know, that have fallen off a little bit. I like Tennessee. Obviously, that was a hire from within with Philip Fulmer. And then now, ever since then, it's just been a just nothing. And then Nebraska. I mean, Frank Solich was what? The running backs coach for how many years before he was promoted to head coach? They won the Big 12 once. They won the Big 12 North, I think, twice in his tenure. Then he gets canned, and look at Nebraska now. I mean, they're they're not doing anything, and Solich just became, I think, the winningest coach in MAC history uh, with Ohio. Um, it's it, there's no sure thing, no. as we all said, but it certainly seems like that if it, you know, this idea of hiring someone that's already on the staff like seems like it, it's something you shouldn't do, but in the past, it's certainly shown that it's that it's something that works because they're familiar with the school. Well, that plus I think it, it, it just eases the transition. The players, the players like it a lot better. The players like, you know, uh, like Odell, Odell apparently just from what I read is extremely popular with the players. So, so there's, there's, I think there's less of a, a, uh, 
And I think that worked in Gus's favor when he came back to Auburn after just one year too, because the players were familiar with him. And, uh, uh, but it's just, you know, if, look, if you well, can go out and, and talk urban Meyer into coming out of retirement. Okay. You know, Bob Stoops well, every- to me, Bob Stoops won a national championship in 2000 and never did win another one. So, yeah, but you know, at FSU, you know, everybody, everybody seems to universally agree. They need a culture change there. They need something major to change. So a guy on the staff for the last few decades is going to be the guy to change the code. That, that's kind of what I'm yeah, saying. But you know, yeah. you're right. There's no sure things. It, it's amazing. You know, it, just if I could transition to a basketball story once, uh, you know, people, when they think of Roy Williams, they think of the great success in North Carolina and Kansas. And before that, Dean Smith's longtime assistant. Right. So he had this great success after that. But before him, Dean Smith had another longtime assistant who went on to supposedly better things. And that was a guy named John Lotz. And Philip, you're probably the only one here who knows who John Lotz is. Okay? I absolutely. I absolutely. And John Lotz didn't do anything. Okay? I absolutely know who you, John Lotz you, is. You, and he went to Florida, and that was a complete disaster. And you just don't know. Two guys that had the same position. Two guys that had great success with Dean Smith. Two guys that really got a lot of the credit for building that North Carolina program. One guy goes on to great things. The other guy goes on to become a complete disaster. And so you just really don't know. And to me, that illustrates so much how hard it is to pick the right guy at the right time, at the right place, with the right infrastructure and the right support system. It's a difficult decision. So if you're going to make a change, it helps to have an idea of which direction you want to go in, okay? Because it's already hard enough to pick a guy, okay? Uh, it's uh, it's a hard thing. And uh, – and it's, you know, it's, it, it, and if you make, the problem is if you make the wrong choice. Tennessee. As in Tennessee. Uh, and I'm not talking about Jeremy Pruitt. I'm talking about the ones before. Uh, you can find yourself having put yourself in a hole that takes a long time to get out of. Now, I do think this, you talk about Tennessee, talk about Nebraska, talk about Arkansas. You're talking about places without a really strong natural recruiting base. And, uh, and I think the thing that w- one of the things that makes Auburn attractive to coaches is that you're surrounded with an easy driving distance of so many uh, gr- great players. I mean, there's a, whole lot of, absolutely- there's, a, there's a whole lot of other people trying to get them too, but you're right there. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Just for Fayetteville's location, you know, you uh, uh, a lot of the best players within a hundred miles of there are actually in the state of Oklahoma. Well, if you're a top recruit in Oklahoma, you're probably not going to Arkansas. You're a big so 12 that, that, guy. You know, you're a big 12 yeah, guy. If you're that's there. Right. Yeah. And, and really that was a huge, and, and you know, it's hard to knock a school, but let's Brandon, that's your school. Do you wish they were still in the old Southwest or, or what the big 12 became? That's where all the natural rivalries are. That's, that's where all that's the kids where they, come from. That's where well, they belong in Arkansas okay. fans. Yeah. I mean, that's where they belong in Texas. I mean, Arkansas fans take it as an insult when you tell them that. And they hear that because they want to be big time. They want to be SEC, but they could be big time in the Big Twelve. What's stopping you from being big time in the Big yeah. Twelve? Oklahoma um, certainly big time. Oklahoma's been able to do it. Texas been able to do it, but not just those two schools. Texas Tech's been able to do it. Kansas State's been able to do it. I mean, obviously not every year, but it's still a Power Five conference. It's not, but they fit better geographically there. It would help That's their right. recruiting. I, I, I obviously maybe they would take a little bit of a hit financially but they've got such deep pockets there that they have no problem building facilities and all of that. So I, you know, I, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think they're kind of, 
them and Missouri are just kind of out of place um, in the yeah, SEC. Absolutely. They're just stuck. They're stuck. Oh, sorry, Brandon. They're just stuck. They're just stuck with this idea of being in the SEC more so than what's a natural fit and what's actually better for the program in the long run, in my opinion. You know, and they and they've got great. I mean, Arkansas's got a great tradition. A lot of it was pre-integration, but they've got a great tradition. Lou Holtz was there. Bobby Petrino did some great things. Uh, Danny Ford, you know, but but kids in Atlanta don't know about that. And, and, and much no. of the Southeast recruiting footprint there, not only do they not know, but mama doesn't know. And grandpa doesn't know. They, and don't, know, a, they don't know anything about it. And it's, and it's a long way from home. That's right. Exactly. In fact, in fact, Auburn's got to commit right now and we'll see how long he's committed. He's flirting with North Carolina, but Xavier Capers, a receiver out of the Atlanta area was committed to Arkansas for a few months and ultimately flipped to, to Auburn. And, and one of the big reasons was proximity to home. I mean, you know, just getting from, Atlanta to, to, to Fayetteville is not exactly, you know, that's, and that's, that's why it's so hard. People always say, why doesn't Auburn go out to California and recruit a lot of kids? Well, that's one of the reasons if mom and dad can't afford to come see you play, but there you go. That illustrates that right there. You guys are exactly right. And it makes, I mean, you know, you spend an awful lot of time when you go, go far away, you spend an awful lot of time, a lot of times and money to finish second, because in the end, this guy really likes you and he likes your school and all that. But it's too far. And the well, mama, mama wants to come see him play. And uh, so, but, but, but I, it's hard. I mean, it's, it's a crapshoot. It just is. I mean, it's just, uh, sometimes you roll snake eyes and sometimes you roll seven. Well, I, I think we're just going to end it there. Because yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know what else we could say. Uh, um, I don't either. I don't either. It, it's just it's uh, one. It's Auburn. Two. It's college football. And three. There's, it's just it's a bit of a mess in the background because it's I don't know. Who, you can't really assign blame. It's just no one's on the same page, and someone's got to get everybody on the same page, man. If everybody's on the same page, whether it's fire coach or supporting him or doing all this, whatever, so much, whatever. so much would be better at Auburn. It would yep. be so much more. It could be, could potentially be more successful consistently. And that's just not the case right now. And they've got to figure that out. I mean, talk about Gus Malz on coaches all you want. I think the most important thing that is not being talked about is that is getting everybody on the same page, having this vision, and and everybody being in agreement, you know, there's okay to be di- to disagree from time to time. That's fine, but at least be able to come to a conclusion together rather than spouting off this and that and this and that. And then time rolls around. It's like, what are we doing? What's next? Well, whether it's the head coach or the president or the AD or whoever, it's going to take a strong personality to to inspire people to say, here's our vision. And we need your help, and this is where we're going, and this is how we're going to get there. But uh, right now, it's uh, okay. Let's find a new coach. Uh, that'll solve everything, and it doesn't solve everything. Yep. Now you can't put new tires on an old truck and think it's brand new. I've tried that once. <laughs> <laughs> No one has it covered like 24-7 sports. Go undercover with Auburn Undercover.